Hello. <laughs> I'm glad the storm has passed, or I should say the external storm has passed to allow us a little more, uh, a little quieter so we can maybe hear each other. Um, tonight we'd just like to welcome you and welcome. I'm glad you all have made it this far. Safely, I know there are some people that are still miss, still missing or not yet here, but I'm sure they'll show up later this evening or tomorrow morning. Maybe as we begin our time together, um, I should introduce myself. Of course, you're probably not expecting anyone other than Steve Armstrong and Kamala Masters, and that's who we are. So... Maybe to begin our time together, we should just sit uh, for a few moments to uh, stabilize the mind. So when you sit, relax. Relax the body. And then as much as possible, let your attention be with your present moments, experience. And for many of you, it'll be just feeling the body as it comes to some stability on the cushion, on the chair. And if you have a familiar practice of attending to the breath, then you can do that. Just as you breathe in and out, know that you're breathing in, know when you're breathing out. Letting your attention float throughout the body as you settle into a relaxed, alert posture. As much as possible, letting go of the activity of getting here settling in your room, maybe the excitement of beginning. Just let your attention acknowledge the present moment, stillness of the body, the stillness of the room.
One of the greatest challenges we have as human beings living here in the West in the 21st century is to get an accurate read on what are we doing here? And what is the purpose of our human existence, if you will, both individually and in the aggregate as a society? And we only have to look at the titles of the articles in the magazines at the checkout rack at the grocery store to get a sense of how bewildered, how confused, and how many options there are available to us. There is a hunger uh, among us for authenticity, integrity, understanding, connection, caring. And while we hunger for these experiences within ourselves and among ourselves, between each other, it is sometimes elusive just how to access them in our heart. So much of our, the input into our minds in the course of a day or a week or a lifetime seems to push us and pull us in other directions to compete, to achieve, to accomplish, to succeed, to win, to accumulate, acquire. And while we, we do that, it's our conditioning, it's our cultural, it's our family, it's our educational conditioning to do that, sometimes it's not very satisfying. And when we step back for a moment or we allow ourselves to settle into a quieter space in our day, in our life, in our heart, we can feel just how unsatisfying that is. And in that recognition of the unsatisfactoriness of it, there's an intuition that there's something else possible. And there is. Men and women from the beginning of time have looked for the deepest understanding in the mind. And the cultures that have appeared, existed, and many that have disappeared on the face of the earth have, in their own way, addressed this issue of all humanity. And we too are faced with answering it for ourselves and for our time. 
There have been many wise men and women throughout history who've offered uh, their experience and their understanding to guide us. And there's a lot of useful information out there. The libraries of the world are full of the wisdom of the world. They're also full of a lot of foolishness. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we distinguish between the two? What is really wisdom? What is really going to lead our hearts and minds to a place of understanding and peace and connection and compassion, meaning, value in life? And what is just going to be a distracting, burdensome uh, dissipation of our human life? And it's not always easy to know the difference. We're happy. Thelma and I were just talking before we came in about what it is we hope to do during this period of time together with you. And we would like to share some of what we have heard, what we've practiced, and what we've seen in our own life. That's mostly coming from the teachings of the Buddha. But the Buddha taught the Dharma, and the Dharma is the truth, the way things are. And so we can't really say that the Buddha had some exclusive claim on the truth. He was one of many that speaks about the way things are. We found the way the Buddha articulates his experience and his understanding to be quite beneficial. And so that's what we'll be sharing with you during this, our period of time together. There are many ways to talk about what the Buddha taught. There's a well-known verse in the Dhammapada that says, the teachings of all the Buddhas is to do good, avoid evil, and develop the mind. Do good, avoid evil, develop the mind. That's pretty simple, isn't it? See, it's simple to understand. It's easy to understand. I think any of us could give a reasonable description of what that means. But actually embody it and live it in our life? Well, we'll see later as the days go by just how easy or difficult, challenging it is. The Buddha also talked about there being three pillars or three supports for establishing your life in the truth, the Dharma, the way things are. And the three understandings or the three pillars of uh, support that the Buddha spoke about are the practice of generosity or sharing, the practice of living in harmony with one another or caring, and the practices of developing the mind, learning how to calm the mind down and how to understand the way things are. 
That also is not very difficult. It's not very esoteric. It's not even particularly Buddhist. Share, care, wake up. Pretty simple, actually. Or we could talk about the Noble Eightfold Path, another matrix of understanding that the Buddha uh, described, prescribed, and taught as uh, a practice, practices for realizing the full potential of life on earth. Right understanding, right action, right views, right speech, right energy, right mindfulness, right concentration. So in this retreat, we want to speak about and we want to frame our teachings and the practices we do here in terms of what are called the paramis. And I think most of you picked up a sheet as you came in uh, outside. It's a sheet of, well, the paramis and the refuges and precepts on the other side. The paramis are the forces of purity in the mind. Essentially, it means some form of non-greed, non-aversion, and non-confusion. They are the forces uh, within the mind that the bodhisattva, the, the being who became the Buddha, had to develop in order to wake up to the deepest truths and to realize the way things are, the Dharma. And so to the extent that we too use our time, consciously undertake these paramis as practices, we too will be on the path of awakening, of realizing uh, what is possible to discover in this human life. These two are not so esoteric or remote as to be uh, vague or incomprehensible. Practicing generosity practicing morality or living in harmony, practicing renunciation, practicing or developing wisdom or understanding, applying energy, being patient, telling the truth, being resolute and determined with a heart full of loving kindness that's balanced. I call these qualities of any good human being. Think about it. When you think of someone that you really admire in your life, whether they're near or far or, you know, anonymous or nationally known, what is it about that person that you really appreciate, that you value, that you respect? it probably has something to do with one of these paramis. They're wise, they're patient, they're loving, they're caring, they're generous, they have a lot of energy, they're determined. And when we look at the great humans throughout history, we can see that it is because of these qualities, some or all of these qualities being developed, 
to maybe uh, what we might think of as an extraordinary degree. Mother Teresa, extraordinary caring. Martin Luther King, extraordinary truthfulness. Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma now, extraordinary resoluteness. Jesus, extraordinary loving kindness. These are not so esoteric. They're not impossible. We have all these qualities within us. Each one of us. They may not yet be fully developed. What we'll be doing in this retreat is relying on these practices and developing these practices as a way of enriching our mind, enriching our lives, and more fully embodying uh, the potential, bringing into uh, reality or realizing uh, the goodness within us. You may not know that this place, now been here 30 years, 31 years I think now, IMS, is here out of the generosity of hundreds, thousands of people who volunteered their time, offered their money, offered their services in order to make these teachings available. Extraordinary generosity while here trying to live in harmony. Each one of us trying to live in harmony with each one of them for 30 years. A place of peace, or at least trying to establish inner peace and trying to manifest it externally as harmony in our relationships. Not easy, but worth doing. Here on this retreat, the way we'll be practicing living in harmony is by undertaking the precepts. And the precepts are community agreements. While here in this community, I think there's about 60 students and there's probably 30 staff. So there's somewhere around 100 people with some guests and others. We'll all be living in agreement to the community precepts. And these are to not harm by not killing, not stealing, not acting out our sexual energy, uh, speaking the truth, and not using intoxicants that can distort or cloud the mind. These are the basic five precepts. What that means is that we heighten our recognition of these areas of our life, how we speak, how we treat one another, how we treat the other creatures that we share this place with, how we treat the property or the the resources of the center or the resources of each other, the resources of the earth, how much do we actually need? And in the case of the third precepts, uh, 
not acting out our sexual energy. It's not a statement or a judgment of the goodness or badness of sexual energy, but it's recognizing that it can cause some confusion. It's a very intense energy in our life. And rather than just acting it out kind of blindly and possibly carelessly, we take this opportunity to watch within ourselves how it manifests so that we can learn from our experience. And speaking the truth. The Dharma is the truth. We're practicing the truth. We're practicing the Dharma. When we speak, whether it's through asking questions or talking about your experience to one of us, to as much as possible and as clearly as possible, speak what is your actual experience. So important to make a commitment to speak the truth in order to realize the truth more deeply in your own life. On this retreat, we'll be... um, practicing what is called noble silence. It doesn't mean absolutely no talking, but it means speaking only that which is necessary to support your practice. And for some of you, it'll be speaking with staff about your jobs or other incidental things that need to be taken care of, or speaking with us. Occasionally, you might have to speak with another yogi about something in your room or hall or whatever. But for the most part, it's allowing yourself and each other to be within your own space. To not kind of export your internal space to someone else. The way that can manifest is just respectfully being with each other silently. Here you have permission not to speak And it's socially okay. Sometimes it's not, you know. But here it is. And if you can avoid, or to the the extent that you can avoid, reading, writing, uh, journaling, and things like that, it will allow the mind to quiet down. To put aside the use of words as much as possible so that you can directly experience what life is about. Below the surface of words. However, if you see someone in trouble, and I don't just mean crying, someone sometimes it's, you know, people get in touch with uh, some mental terrain that's painful and they may be sad or withdrawn or crying, let them be. Let them be with their own and find their own way to navigate through the thickets of the mind. But if someone's in obvious trouble, of course, do what you can to attend them and get the help that they need. Around the use of intoxicants, this is primarily alcohol and recreational drugs. Some of you, no doubt, are have prescriptions for medications. And many people take medications and practice mindful awareness, effectively. It's not a limitation. But while on this retreat, it is not a good time to try to minimize or reduce or stop taking your medication. 
we ask that you continue to take the medications as prescribed, uh, whatever the dose is and whatever the frequency is, so that you don't put additional pressure on your mind while you're paying attention here. Some of you have in the past or may have seen on the uh, sheet about the uh, precepts that there are an additional three precepts if you wish. And these precepts are really, they're not necessary for living in harmony, but they are an additional practice of renunciation, another one of the paramis, a way of letting go of that which may be convenient and comfortable, but not essential. We mention them because some of you will want to take the eight precepts. I'm not encouraging you. I'm not discouraging you. But if you wish, they involve not eating solid food after the noontime meal, which is the substantial uh, precept of the additional three. And the seventh precept would be to refrain from dancing, singing, shows, garlands, unguents, and other things that adorn the body. Well, there's no shows, there's no dancing, there's, there's, no, there's not much of that entertaining here. So this is not that difficult. But you might consider just what it is you do to adorn the body that might not be necessary if you want to undertake that. And the, third, uh, the eighth precept, or the third of the additional three, is to undertake the training to refrain from the use of high and luxurious beds and chairs if you can find one. But some of you will find that uh, you'll, you, you're want, wanting to make that your own practice. Maybe you'll refrain from easy chairs or laying down in the middle of the day or whatever it is, some way of, of undertaking some additional renunciation along the lines of comfort sitting and lying down. So if you're interested, you can... Uh, take those additional three precepts as a as a further practice of renunciation. I think the kitchen has a put a sheet on the bulletin board that if you intend to take the additional three precepts, and they meaning they wouldn't need to prepare evening food for you to just make a check on the board so they can have some idea how many will be doing that. In addition. If you want to take the only the five precepts initially, fine. Any day that you might want to try the eight precepts, you can do that. Even just for a day. You don't have to do it for the whole week. It's up to you. In addition, we a way that we all kind of get on the same page during our time together, is to undertake the refuges, what are called the refuges. And the refuges are really a, an articulation of an aspiration. We can aspire to take refuge in the Buddha, meaning we can remind ourselves to take refuge in the possibility of awakening, the possibility of being present in this moment, each one of us has that capacity, but we forget. And so while here we remind ourselves 
of our aspiration to awaken by taking refuge in the Buddha. Taking refuge in the Dharma is to uh, aspire to live in alignment with the truth. The way things are for you in the body, in the mind, the way things are in this community, the way things are individually, organizationally, collectively. Can we live in harmony with that? It's not always easy, but when we take refuge in the Dharma, we are acknowledging our aspiration to do that, to find a way, to to practice the way of living in harmony with the way things are. And to take refuge in the Sangha means to, the Sangha means the community or the uh, the community of practitioners, like this community is a Sangha. Those of us who are doing the retreat or being here at the center during this time are a Sangha. And we are part of a much larger Sangha, those beings on the face of the earth who also have a similar commitment. And there are thousands, there are millions that are practicing these refuges and precepts each day with us in different parts of the world, other countries. And this community of uh, like-minded folks has been uh, going on for more than 2,500 years. An ongoing uh, community of those who are interested in awakening to the truth and living in harmony. So as a way of just kind of all getting on the same page, we'll begin this retreat by taking the refuges and precepts And each morning at the early sitting before breakfast, we will again take the refuges and precepts as a way of reminding ourselves of our aspiration and our commitment to the community agreements. There are two other paramis that I want to mention that we'll be practicing, uh, actively practicing during this retreat, and that is loving kindness or metta. And in the afternoons, uh, there will be guided instruction and the practice of loving kindness for a few days. And then uh, later in the retreat, there'll be the instruction and the practice of equanimity. And these are both. Practices that support the development of the mind. Getting the heart in touch with uh, its goodness and its non-reactivity. So, this is our agenda for the week, if you will. To do good by awakening and consciously practicing these uh, qualities of the mind to avoid the unwholesome or to avoid the evil by living according to the precepts and to develop the mind. Two ways to develop the mind is to calm the mind down. This is called concentration or tranquility or in the Pali language, the language of the Buddha, it's called samadhi. Learning how to kind of, well, de-stress, 
relax. Relaxing the body, relaxing the mind. So that we're not so wound up. Because the mind that's tight, the mind that's really stressed, the mind that's under a lot of pressure, can't see things as they truly are. So that's part of our training, or development of the mind, is to learn how to calm the mind down. And secondly, is to develop, second aspect of developing the mind is to uh, awaken understanding. And this will be the primary focus of our practice, our formal practice, is to awaken the understanding, the understanding of what the present moment is and how to understand the present moment so that we can be at ease with the way things are. It's not always easy. But that'll be the direction of our practice during this time together. So as a way of formally opening the retreat, beginning the retreat, let's take the refuges and precepts together. On the sheet of paper that you have, you can see on one side the refuges and precepts. On the left, the refuges and precepts are written in the Pali language, the language that the teachings of the Buddha are recorded or written in. And on the right is in English. We will take the refuges and precepts in Pali. And for the first couple of days, I'll chant a line, a phrase or a line, and you can repeat after me. And then after a few days, when we all know it, then we can chant them in unison. You might notice that the third precept has kind of a subset. And that is for, at the end of the retreat, when you go home, we'll put you on householder precept. Uh, but while here on the retreat, you'll be on a retreatant's third precept. When we get to the sixth, seventh, and eighth precept, if you wish, you can repeat them after me. And if you choose not to take those additional three precepts, that's fine. Uh, you can just quietly uh, wait till we get to the end we start the refuges and precepts with a, an honoring of the Buddha, and we end the refuges and precepts with the um, aspiration that all of our efforts here uh, during the retreat or during the day, all of our practice, may it conduce to the liberation of the mind. Just for a show of hands, how many of you are thinking that you would like to take the additional three precepts for eight precepts? Just so I have some. Um, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe. Okay. Please repeat that to me. Namo. Namo Tassa Bhagavato, Tassa Bhagavato, Arahato, Arahato, Sama Sambodasa, Sama Sambodasa, Namo, Namo Tassa Bhagavato, 
สะบากวะโตอาราหะโตอาราหะโตสัมมาสัมบูรัสสะสัมมาสัมบูรัสสะนะโมนะโมทัสสะบากวะโตทัสสะบากวะโตอาราหะโตอาราหะโตสัมมาสัมบูรัสสะสัมมาสัมบูรัสสะบุดังสารนังกัจามิบุดังสารนังกัจามิตามังสารนังกัจามิตามังสารนังกัจามิสังขังสารนังกัจามิสังขังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีบุดังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีบุดังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีดามังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีดามังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีสังขังสารนังกัจามิดุติยัมพีสังขังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีบุดังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีบุดังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีตามังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีตามังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีสังขังสารนังกัจามิตาติยัมพีสังขังสารนังกัจามิปานาทิปัตตาปานาทิปัตตาเวรามณีเวรามณีสิกาบดังสิกาบดังสมาริยามิสมาริยามิอาดีนาดานาอาดีนาดานาเวรามณีเวรามณีสิกาบดังสิกาบดังสมาริยามิสมาริยามิอาบรามาจารียาอาบรามาจารียาเวรามณีเวรามณีสิกาบดังสิกาบดังสมาริยามิสมาริยามิมุสาวาดามุสาวาดาเวรามณีเวรามณีสิกาบดังสิกาบดังสมาริยามิสมาริยามิสุราเมริยาสุราเมริยามาจาพมาดาธานามาจาพมาดาธานาเวรามณีเวรามณีสิกาบดังสิกาบดังสมาริยามิสมาริยามิ And for those of you who are taking the additional three precepts. We kala bojana, we kala bojana, we ramani, we ramani, sika badang, sika badang, samadiyami, samadiyami, nacha, nacha, gita, gita, wadita, wadita, wisuka dasana, wisuka dasana, malaganda, malaganda, vilepana, vilepana. Darana, Darana, Mandana, Mandana, Vibhusanathana, Vibhusanathana, Vairamani, Vairamani, Sikabadang, Sikabadang, Samadhyami, Samadhyami, 
Uchasayana, Uchasayana, Mahasayana, Mahasayana, Vairamani, Vairamani, Sikabadang, Sikabadang, Samadhyami, Samadhyami, and all of us. Idang me silang, Idang me silang, Magapalanyanasa, Magapalanyanasa, Bachayo, Bachayo, O Tu. Thank you all for coming and choosing to spend uh, this next period of time uh, doing good, avoiding evil, and developing your mind. I know it'll be a worthwhile experience. I'm sure most of you know that too. So, welcome. I'm glad that you've chosen to come and do this essential work for becoming a good human being. So, leave. We should take some rest, and uh, in the morning there'll be a bell that'll wake you up at five o'clock, and then at five thirty we'll be here to sit, and we'll, again we'll take the refuges and precepts. As you look at the schedule, let me just remind you that the um, first sitting after breakfast at 8.15, each day we'll be giving uh, instructions, additional instructions. Uh, that's an important sitting to, uh, to attend and to plan to arrive on time. And then in the afternoon, there will be a guided Brahmaviharar, not tomorrow, but in the subsequent days at 3.30. And the Dharma talk in the evening at 7.30 will be uh, a time when Kamala and I will be uh, offering further understanding and hopefully a little inspiration so that you can uh, make best use of your time practicing here. Okay. Any questions? Get some rest. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.